The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast. Welcome to our daily devotional. And we're so glad you're with us and starting off the week together in the Word of God, which truly is a great way to start the week. I know many of you aren't, are not able due to your work schedules to watch this live, and, but many have told me that they watch it later on YouTube or Facebook or they will listen to it later on podcast format, audio format. So I just want to thank you for joining us and taking advantage of that. If, if you've never done this, I encourage you, if you watch this on a social media platform like YouTube or Facebook, I encourage you to share it. We do post the videos later on Instagram as well, but I encourage you to share it. You know, just share it with friends and let people know it's there. If you happen to listen to this through the audio podcast, we have it on on TuneIn, Amazon, um, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I encourage you to go places like iTunes and, and make a review on it and share it, and that's really encouraging to us and it helps in spreading it out. And uh, so we greatly appreciate that if you're willing to do that. But anyway, we're grateful you're with us today, and we're going to jump into chapter 2 of the book of Ruth. And I am am so looking forward to just breaking down section by section what happens here as we get a section of the Old Testament that just reflects so much in what it's talking about, about the picture of Jesus, grace, redemption, and all these things. And today, um, not only are we going to dig a little bit into the story of Ruth, Um, and what's happening in this account and what many call a great love story ultimately as Ruth and Boaz come together, I want to dig into some level to see how all of this works throughout prophecy. We've mentioned uh, several times in the last couple weeks that when you look at the Bible, the the Bible as a whole is a narrative. And when you study things like this, it's important and I think absolutely necessary to see the whole Bible work together to see how this section interacts with the narrative of, in this case, the New Testament and how it's fulfilled. And so, and how we begin to see God working in ways that, humanly speaking, even in the cultural time, just didn't make sense. So let's go ahead and read the verses we're going to look at today. And we'll look at the account here, and then we'll dig a little deeper into how that fits throughout Scripture. Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And Naomi had a kindred, uh, excuse me, a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. So it starts off saying that she had a relative, a kinsman, uh, a very wealthy one of her family. This man, Boaz, was a relative of hers, a very wealthy man. Verse 2, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to the light on the part of the field, belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. So let me give you a little breakdown. I won't go into all the scripture behind it, but when the commandments went out in the area, uh, I think it was Moses putting them out, talking about taking care of those uh, less fortunate or poor in this situation, um, one of the things that was a normal practice was that when the wealthy farmers would bring up harvest, number one, we're on the other side of the famine, which means the children of Israel are back towards God. They, they're, they've, they've been through the punishment. God has healed them through, you remember, it's the time of the judges. So if you're back at this point, you're at the other end of this cycle. 
And so at the other end of the cycle, you've got a nation that has turned its, his, his, his heart back to God and God has healed the land as he's promised to do in Second Chronicles. And so now they're back and they're enjoying great wealth in the area of farming. And so this man, obviously wealthy, he wouldn't have been as much as wealthy if it hadn't been for being beyond the famine. And so the practice was, though, that when they would reap, that, that when they would reap the harvest, they were supposed to leave sections of this harvest aside out onto the field so that the poor could come and glean or take. Uh, take. So basically a portion of their earnings would go out there and then the poor would come and reap it up and collect it throughout the day and take it home so that they would have food for the year or for, for that season. And so Ruth, whether she knew about this, it might have been a similar practice in Moab, whether she heard about it, either way, she goes to her mother-in-law and says, let me go do this. And maybe, you know, I think she, she recognized, maybe I'll find grace in someone's eyes. Maybe she knew about Boaz at this point and, and the relationship. Either way, she said, let me go, let me do what you cannot. It would have actually been Naomi's thing, but Naomi was older. Ruth says, let me go take care of you. And so Ruth, who has left, remember, left everything, left her home to come to a strange land, to put her trust in a different God, and, and to take care of Naomi, said, let me go do this. And so she follows through with the promise that she gave, just not that much, too much earlier in the story. And so now she goes, and she goes into town, and she begins to collect. In this process, she finds herself collecting on the field of a man by the name of Boaz, who, of course, is a relative of Naomi. Uh, you can say it's per chance or whatever, uh, even if it's stated that way, really what it comes down to is that God's providence has continued to work here. And God's going to do something amazing here. So um, let me take a second and uh, break down some of the prophecy, how, how scripture, the narrative, and how all this works. You see the story, and most of us are familiar with this aspect of the story. Uh, but what we're going to look at now is how all of this works throughout the narrative of scripture. So we know uh, from the previous verses that Naomi had come back to Bethlehem. So they're in the small town of Bethlehem. And so this is all taking place. And so not only are we beginning to see the ancestry of Jesus come together before, we're beginning to see the place of Jesus' birth. And so let me read a couple of scriptures for you. I'm in the wrong one here. Let me find my other tab. Uh, the first one we'll go to is where um, Bethlehem was prophesied to be this place in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And it says, But thou, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall, be, uh, shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from, old, from of old and from everlasting. He says, who going forth, who we've prophesied before will last forever. So there's the prophecy of what, where Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. Then we go back to Matthew 5, where it actually takes place. Ma or, I'm sorry, Matthew 2, Matthew 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wisemen from the east of Jerusalem. So Micah 5.2 describes this little sleepy town of Bethlehem, kind of getting ready for what God's going to do. And now uh, we see, if you read up into Matthew, uh, you see the fulfilled prophecy. You say, well, now one thing to be careful. People say, well, it's just one book. Of course it's like that. Please, you have to remember history's proven that there's thousands of years between these two scenarios, that Micah was written by a prophet, and then you've got years, hundreds of, maybe thousands of years later, this is actually taking place. We at least know from Malachi, just 400 years difference here. So th this is not just somebody taking one section and kind of writing the same narrative. These are multiple authors under the inspiration of God, giving information that ultimately proves the prophecies of God. Here's one I want you to see, though, that's very intriguing. So we read from Ruth. <clears throat> 
what's taking place and the connection of Boaz. Here's one thing that's been intriguing. Most of us know this, but you might know this, but it makes you wonder. Ruth ultimately, which we'll know the end, through the marriage to Boaz, becomes part of the ancestry of Jesus. Here's, here's always the question that maybe some have asked. I'll ask you this. Who is Boaz in relation to this? So let's go to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to go to verse number 5. Now, many times we read through Matthew chapter 1 walks through what we call the chronology, the lineage. You know, it just gives a list of so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. And frankly, if you're reading for devotions and just want an inspirational thought today, the first half of Matthew 1 probably is not going to give you that encouragement. Having said that, when you are looking at this from a study point of view, there's some absolute amazing truths found in the lineage of how this works. So let's go to chapter 1, um, make sure I'm in the right place, verse 5. So it broke up different people from the generations of Jesus, the son of David, started with Abraham back in verse 2. In verse 5, their man named Salman begat Boaz, catch this, of Rahab. Now that's basically Rahab the harlot. Remember, when they went over, when Joshua and the spies went over to, to Jericho um, to, to take out the land, the Battle of Jericho, prior to that, he sent in some spies. Well, there was a harlot who hid these spies from people who were trying to catch them and then let them out the other way. And they said, put the scarlet letter, scarlet rope out, and when we get ready to attack the city, we will leave your house okay and anybody in it. And so... Because she, even though, I mean, understand, this was, you consider this one of the lowest of lifestyles as a prostitute. And God says, because of your actions, I'm going to bless you. And so Rahab is the mother of Boaz, who ultimately marries and get, watch this. So Boaz began a man by the name of Obed of Ruth. And so Boaz and Ruth got together. Obed was born. Who was Obed? Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Obed would have been King David's grandfather, which would have made Ruth King David's great-grandmother. Now, you look at this and say, okay, I, I don't necessarily, you know, wow, you know, a lot of information. Does it, uh, what all does that mean? Can I encourage you? One, when you study Scripture, I think it's so important for us to be reminded in studying Scripture that there are no mistakes. All of this works together. And, and when you can, you can go to the Word of God, you can trust it. And you begin to see how God is not surprised and how God's work thinks. Another thing you see is from, Rah from Rahab, a prostitute, to Ruth, a Moabite woman. Neither one of these you would consider, neither one of them, we're actually Jewish in that case, and neither one of them you would have considered and what some might consider to be the, a pure line of lineage to, to, to Jesus, a Jewish and a pure line of things of that nature. Can, can I encourage you in, in this area that throughout the lineage of David, um, lineage of Jesus, excuse me, Jesus chose to allow people into it, his ancestors, his great-grandfathers, great, great, his great-grandmothers, great-grandmothers. He put in people into this lineage to show several things. One, the grace that God is not a respecter of persons, that he, he's accepted, he, he's, he loves all and he's created all. Two, he, he doesn't look down and say only this one, that one. He, he's got grace to offer people who otherwise you would say, listen, they probably shouldn't be in the line. Shall we put it this way? It's a bit of a dirty lineage for somebody who claims purity and royalty. And that's exactly how Jesus wanted it. Jesus comes down and says, where you come from doesn't matter. 
What you've done prior to coming to Jesus doesn't matter. What you've done since you come to Jesus and you get right with God doesn't matter. The world and religion want us to establish stuff, our pasts and our actions and all of this. And while there's some importance to it, we talked about the decisions Elimelech made and the issues that come with it. But what we see in the truth today is that God's involved, God's working, and God loves all of us and offers grace to all of us. And sometimes we say, I wish I were like that person. I wish I grew up like that person. You know, I don't know what background you come from. I don't know what it is in your past that may hold you back or may uh, bring frustration or grief. But can I tell you, when you come to Jesus, none of that matters. You can put those things aside and you can move forward. And that is something that I think is so important for us to hold on to. That is something so important for us to, to grab a hold of this great truth. That we should be able to not be consumed with well, fear and concern and my past and all that. Come to Jesus, it's all gone and we can move forward. And the great work and the great sovereignty of God. You know, when we continue in the story, we're going to continue to see um, the kinsman redeemer, how Jesus works through this, the grace of God. And it starts with just the fact that all of this has worked together uh, to bring, when Jesus is born, another proof of the grace and mercy of God. Well, I tell you, I hope that you think about these things and maybe, uh, you know, maybe just some bits of information are new to you, but I hope that it just continues to drive us to Jesus, continues to encourage us as we go through this week to be reminded of God's love for us, personal and as a church, uh, God's grace and how much God wants to be part of every part of your life. Well, thanks for joining us as we start out this week together. And I look forward to continuing in the study throughout the week. Hope it's an encouragement to you. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day and hope you have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next time.